Hi, this is Tara Litvak, and you are listening to Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidori. Thanks for joining us. You've got a show coming up, yes. self-produced, Set Those Sails, A Night of William Finn. Yes. Very exciting stuff. I'd love to dig into uh, a little bit of what brought you to this point, producing uh, an evening, producing a night of song. <laughs> well, the the idea kind of came to me on a whim, which is usually how my good ideas happen, um, when I just think I need to just do something. But I went to New York in September and just kind of got inspired by all the work that's going on there and thinking that I really need to just take a little bit more control of what I want to create and the art I wanted to create, at least just in one project. And uh, I mean, the other thing was, it's been an incredibly emotionally difficult year for me. And I needed something really just to focus on to make me feel better and to focus creative energies and really make it a healing project in, all, in some sense. So what better way to do it through music for me? I love William Finn, and I started getting more and more acquainted to his music um, while working on workshops with Tracy Nicolaitis, and just kind of fell in love with his music and loved certain aspects of it and made it such a healing project. And in terms of picking a bunch of performers rather than just a few, because of these workshops that I've been working on since April, I met so many people that I wanted to work with, and who knows, you know, when I'll be able to work with them, if they'll get cast in the show that I'm doing. The odds of it are just, you just never know. And I just really wanted to work with them. So some of the artists in there, I just admire their musicality and them as people and them as performers and trusted that they had a really good sense of bringing this music to life. In terms of producing, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I had to take control of it. I, I've never produced before. So, I mean, I think I have a sort of a good sense of how to create an event because when I music direct shows, I usually help a little bit more behind the scenes as well, just to give a helping hand to people. So I just wanted to take a stab at it and see what I could do on my own. Yeah. Cool. So what's uh, so what's your <laughs> what's your story in a <laughs> nutshell to this point? What's uh, what what has your path been uh, that sort of brought you to being a, a musical music director? director. Yeah. yeah. I started. I mean, it's like a way back. <laughs> I started playing piano when I was six. And I was lucky enough that my parents, I mean, I was classically trained. And that was purely because I love classical music. And it wasn't because my parents were forcing me to or anything like that. I love classical music. But I also loved other genres of music and playing that. And I was lucky that my parents didn't want to beat that out of me. They actually wanted me to pursue that as well. So I was really lucky enough to study with uh, teachers who you know, let me play rock music, let me play pop music, let me play musical theater. So I I had a great love of all different genres of music. And then uh, I started music directing. I went down a music education route in university, and within the first year, I realized I didn't want to be a music teacher at all. <laughs> I mean, music directing is music teaching, but I didn't want to be a music teacher in a high school setting. Right. Um, it just wasn't satisfying me. And it wasn't sitting right. And then I got to work at National Music Camp as just the musical theater accompanist and started to really get a feel of what it's like to be part of musical theater production and a project and it kind of it was a great feeling and then I was asked to music direct Gypsy in a university production when I was 19 and that was the first time I ever music directed and everything just kind of 
fit right. Everything that didn't fit right with being a music teacher fit right with being a music director, and it felt really natural. And so I continued doing just university productions, and then I went on to uh, Hart House and kind of branched off from there. And since then, I've been teaching a lot of youth. I went to Toronto Youth Theatre for a couple shows. I now work at Bravo Academy. So that's still a very big part of my life is teaching youth, but in a musical theatre setting rather than a school setting. And I've worked with companies like Stageworks and Half Pine Theatre and I accompany workshops with Tracy Nicolitas and I'm a vocal coach on the side. So it's kind of just really branched out from there. And the thing that I've learned about the arts is that the more projects I do, the more people I meet. And I, I, I was funny because I was kind of tracing back a few days ago of how I, I got to a certain point. And it's like, oh, well, I, I met this person through this show and this, this person through this show. So every single show is kind of integral to build, building my career. What was it about William Finn in particular that you wanted to, I mean, he does obviously have a body of work to draw from. Mm -hmm. It's more modern than a lot of the stuff that, you know, people are coming up through theater schools and and doing uh, and singing or whatever. Was, what was it about him particular and his, I guess, library that, that really grabbed you to make a night around? Yeah. Well, um, one thing I noticed that in the cabaret scenes in Toronto there's never really a night that kind of focuses around one composer. I mean, I've seen I've seen nights that are centered around Sondheim or something like that. But right. with William Finn, one of the things is is that one of his shows, Elegies, is entirely just piano. And so that, for me, was like a blank slate of what I could do to arrange it um, for a five-piece band. But in terms of the musical aesthetic of it, the thing that I love about William Finn is that his characters are f***ed up. They're, so, they're just so real in the sense that they're, they're so flawed, but that's what you love about them. And I, I want to explore that, you know, of how these flawed people don't necessarily come to a full resolution by the end of the song. In, in William Finn's music, usually there's a structure in musical theater how when you start a song and by the end of the song, the person has resolved something or their character has changed drastically. In William Finn's songs, I don't think they're like that that much. It's just kind of working through some feelings, working through sort of accepting certain flaws, and by the end, they're just maybe one step closer to the resolution, which to me reflects real life so much more. And, I mean, there's a criticism of musical theater genre of not being real, and, you know, I wouldn't see someone walking down the street singing, but, you know... His music feels so real to me. The other thing I love about the characters he chooses and the stories he tries to tell, I mean, he's a New Yorker, and people in New York have a certain, you know, they just got to get through things. They just got to plow through, like, their feelings and just put a smile on their face. And there's something that's really interesting and beautiful about that. It's it's complicated. It's like it's It's just like layers of peeling off a person when you see that they're clearly putting on a mask. Why are they putting on a mask? What's underneath that? And uh, what do they truly care about? What do they want in their life? So there was just so much depth in his music that I loved. And, you know, he's talking about really hard, some hard emotions. And on top of that, it's a layer of, you know, sometimes very happy music or playful music. And underneath, it's a, it's a really deep and vulnerable emotion. And that's just interesting to me. You know, that, that complexity is interesting. And the thing is, is that people know William Finn um, for Putnam Spelling Bee. I mean, that's, that's his biggest show. And I've purposely, tr- I have one song in the show from Putnam, but I purposely not tried not to go in that direction. I want to bring out the songs that don't, people don't know as much about. And Putnam, I mean, it, it can be hard. I, I music directed Putnam. And uh, 
it can be hard when there's such that strong force of it's a kid singing, right? Or it's a kid character singing. And you can't get past the idea of what's actually lying underneath this character. And you usually need a, a full show setting for that. For a cabaret and just for one song, that might be a little bit more difficult to present. So I've been, the, the music that I chose from for the show was from Elegies, The Royal Family, uh, A New Brain, One Putnam Song, In Trousers, and Romance and Hard Times. I think that's it. Is there sort of a, a thing that ties the evening together with those? Or did you just want to pick and choose your favorites out of his sort of songbook? At first, it was more picking and choosing of just what I liked. And then I started realizing that for most of the songs, there's there's a theme to it. and what I, Or at least what I wanted to impose a theme is a person healing, the, the theme of healing. And that's working working through through something and maybe being one step closer to feeling their normal selves again, which is very reflective of my life this year. Um, and that's probably, probably why I resonate with that. But when I started picking and choosing, I'm like, maybe that's just why I'm attracted to these songs because that's where I'm at in my life. But yeah. And so then there's, first of all, not only you took those songs, you arranged them. Mm-hmm. for yourself to play and a five yes. piece? So you're part of the five? How does that Yeah, um, the five-piece band, I'm, I'm a part of it when I include that. So I have a saxophone player, Taylor Cook. These are guys I've played with before, and they're just, they're like my family. I love them so much. And my drummer, Robin Claxton, uh, a bass player who I've never played with before, but I'm so excited to play with is a guy named Ian Leslie and Ben Hognestad, who normally is my second keyboard player, but he actually plays cello. So I have him on cello for this, and then it's going to be me on piano. Okay, and you have you took these songs, you arranged them all yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for that ensemble. <laughs> yeah. And now, what was the process like in terms of choosing these singers that you wanted to work with? Yeah. And then essentially casting them yeah. in, this, in this night of, of songs. Yeah. When choosing the vocalists for it, were you trying to stay, stay true to the sort of person that would be playing the character in the play? Mm. Or did you just take people in general that you think, your voice type, great for this song. Yeah. I just want to work with you. Kind That's of an interesting question. No, I actually really didn't stay close to what they would play in the show. Because it's one of those things yeah. you can do when you take it out of context. Totally. Yeah, it's funny. I never thought time. about that. <laughs> but the way that I thought of it was, well, the way I, I did it essentially was I sent out this mass message to a bunch of singers and I was like, I want to do William Finite. Who would be interested? And I got back some responses and I got overwhelming response. So I had to like cut it down. But then it was it was on voice type, on how it's normally done or maybe if I, it, how I would want it to maybe like, for example, Infinite Joy is normally sung by an alto, and I gave it to Stephanie Lawler, who's a soprano. And I just said, I just, I want to hear this song as a soprano. It's never been done before, at least on recording like that. And I think that would be amazing. And then there's another song called Change from A New Brain, which is usually sung by, you know, a brassy, middle-aged woman. And I gave it to Colin Ascension, who is like this amazing, riffy, soul type of guy. And... uh yeah, I was just like, well, it's normally sung by a woman, but I want it sung by a man. But in terms of choosing it, it was also voice type, but it was also just knowing them personally and knowing their spirits and how it would match the song and what if they can really get to the core of that song. So the arrangement, did that happen after you knew what voices yes. you were giving it to? Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. So that, <laughs> well, I'm just you know, I didn't know if you were just like, I w- I've always wanted to arrange this song for yeah. a person, but you, so you, you individually picked yeah. the songs. Yes. Yeah. For the people. Yes. Or, okay. There were certain songs that I was like, I had no idea what the arrangement 
uh, was, and that was just going to be a natural part of just me playing it over and over and over and hearing it in my head. But I mean, there was one, one song that I was like, I really want this to be a cello duet with a singer. And so I had to just make sure that their voice type really matched the cello and that kind of setting. I mean, if I had a person who was like a huge belter, that wouldn't be the same. So there were some times where I thought about my arrangement first, but usually it was afterwards, after I chose their voices, that I'm like, okay, this this will work for their voice. This won't overpower their voice. This will complement it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's a neat sort yeah. of uh, deconstruction, I guess, mm-hmm. of you've got the songbook, you've yeah. got these artists, and so you then went through yeah. the process. So this then, I mean, between the casting, the arranging... What has the sort of the timeline been for this whole project to this point? Um, well, I had the idea in September, and then I got the singers to confirm by the beginning of October, and then I started arranging, and I'm I'm still arranging. <laughs> uh, I have like about three more songs to do, and I'm really procrastinating on it because they're the hardest ones. <laughs> so uh, usually a, a song will take me about a good two hours to arrange. If I'm like stuck on it, I'll like sleep on it, but I like to get it done in one shot. So it's a lot of playing at the keyboard, going to the computer, playing to the keyboard, going to the computer. And I mean, just hoping to God that it will it will sound good because all it is is I hear it in my head. And I mean, I trust my band in the sense that they will make it sound good. And the way that I work with my band is very improvisatory. Like I'll give them a structure and then I'll say, no, just just play around with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why they like working with me. <laughs> but it produces fantastic music because I trust their musicianship. Um, so I'm still arranging. And then I started rehearsals with people mm, end of October, or beginning of November. And uh, I work like an hour and a half with them working through the song. I mean, not only just the notes, but just like talking about the meaning of it and the context of it sometimes it's really hard to take it out of the context and attach some meaning to it so I help working with them with that and that's that's one of my trademarks I think as a music director is that people often comment that they haven't worked with a music director who talks about the meaning behind notes and that I'm all about that like if you're popping up and doing a riff why are you doing that riff what is that riff exactly why would the person need to sing that essentially so that's kind of how I work. In terms of band rehearsal, we're going to have one. <laughs> we're going to have one band rehearsal, not even a week before the show, just because I trust them and I have no other time available. <laughs> but I'm sure it will work out fine. And again, like the singers will have not met with the band until the night of the show. We're, we're going to be able to do a run through before the show and that's it. And so if everything, going to have to work really fast in terms of working out the kinks and putting a lot of trust in people. I'm probably like halfway through rehearsals with singers. Um, still have a lot to go, especially for some group songs. Like I have about four group songs with people and arranging all that. So it's been it's been a long process, and I'm probably way over eighty hours of work on this. <laughs> I, I'm at the point at this this point that it, I'm I'm terrified about the turnout because not I mean, forget financially. I mean I don't really care about that as much. I just want people to come see it and enjoy it of all the hard work I put in. <laughs> It's interesting you're commenting about because I I think a lot of the the musical theater stuff I did or at least the theater stuff the emphasis so often is on the words mm-hmm. so it's interesting that you you know you're emphasizing those you know yeah. the musical phrasings yeah as you know like the composer's choices as well as like yeah. the lyricist's choices yeah I mean they have to be completely united I mean. I, again, like you were talking about emphasis on text, and it's it's the same way with musical theater. It's, it's emphasis on text, but there's an added layer of 
what does this note do to that word? And why is that word on this pitch? And why is that vowel good on this pitch? And I don't think people really think about that. And it's just, I think it's just part of my job that that's, that's what I got to do. I mean, Sondheim, for example, I went to go see Sondheim speak at the Princess of Wales, well, I think maybe two years ago. And I mean, that inspired me so much in how I work. And he was just talking about, they were like saying, oh, well, do you do the lyrics or the musics first? Which is always a question that people ask. And he's like, no, it's just, it's just they're at the same time. They need to be at the same time. And I think that's a good sign of good composition is when that word needs to be on that pitch. It's not necessity. It, it, it has to be necessity. It can't just be for, oh, it sounds good on that note, you know? There has to be a reason behind it. And, uh, yeah, I like I like pointing that out to actors of why is it on this note instead of this note? And instinctually, what does that make you feel? Yeah, I think it's a good approach to, approach to musical theater. <laughs> for sure. To go back for a second to what, I'm just, I'm really curious. I mean, I'm fascinated in general by arranging Mm -hmm. and the whole art that goes into that. Because I mean, especially with putting this emphasis on what note, you know, the composer chose for that idea or emotion or whatever, to be in a way, you know, reconstructing it or reinventing it Mm -hmm. with this new instrumentation, like you're saying, of something that the one, for instance, like you're saying, was the duet with cello and mm-hmm. vocalist. Yeah. Now, originally... It was just piano. So it's just piano. Yeah. And now it's just cello. Yeah. Arranging is an interesting thing because you don't want to butcher the song, you know? But it's it's sort of becoming a reality of musical theater because there's so few musicals that, I mean, in the budget, you can't hire a full orchestra anymore. So I think it's something that pretty much every music director needs to start doing is understanding how to pare things down um, without losing any of the character of the song, of the show. It will never be the same character, but it will have its own new feel to it as long as that new feel is um, complementary of the heart of the show. Like I'm thinking back of when I, I arranged Into the Woods for stage works and Into the Woods, you know, it's a big orchestra normally and all these different types of sounds and there's trumpet fanfares and a lot of percussive stuff. And I arranged it for string tri- trio and piano because that's what we had in the budget. And holy cow, that was a project in itself, but it created much more of a chamber music feel, um, rather than this epic fairy tale, supernatural sort of thing it became much more um instead of this epic storybook feel it was like let's open a book and that's the storybook feel if that makes any sense so more of a sort of intimate yeah yeah exactly and just more real quality to it so yeah so when i'm thinking about the arranging for william finn i mean some of the styles are a little bit different i think there's one song that i'm like i want to give it a latin feel but for most part i don't straight from the core of the song it's just the voices that come out and you know if I add saxophone what is that going to do is is that adding anything to the character of the piece is that is that emoting what is in their inner brain or their inner heart and not just because it sounds cool (laughs) (laughs) I mean that that that, sometimes that is a good enough reason totally and especially when you're taking things out of their you know context of the whole plot of the story of the play um but, I mean, I love hearing your arrangements of things, and it's always interesting to hear it. But sometimes when I'm like, man, you know, the original's just so much better. When I start comparing it to the original, that's when I don't know if it's a great arrangement. Arrangement. If I have, if I identify them completely separately as this was that, and that was great, and this new arrangement is its own character, and that was great, that's when I know it's a good arrangement. 
if I don't want I don't want it to be comparisons. You know, I just want it to be it's to be its own entity. Tell me a bit about the the name, Set Those Sails. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. Yeah, the name. <laughs> okay, so funny story was, maybe it seeped into my brain, but I was like, I'm going to call this Infinite Joy and Night of Williamson. And I thought that was like the greatest name. And then I realized it's a great name because it already exists. <laughs> like he has a CD of his songs and it's called Infinite Joy, the music of William Finn. So it must have seeped into my brain. Thank God I found that out because that would have been <laughs> so embarrassing. Anyway, so I scratched that. And then I was just thinking about um, what I want. I guess it was, that was when I started clarifying of what I really want this project to be more than just showcasing music. Um, and like I said about, about a healing project. So set those sails. There's just, there's something about that image of a sailboat on its own. I mean, it's completely vulnerable to the environment. If there's, you know, no wind, if there's a storm. I mean, I know as a kid, I was terrified of sailing just for that very reason. I had no control over anything. And you just got to go with it. And there's something about just bracing the environment and being able to push through whatever life gives you. And that's that's what I tried to center all the songs around about someone bracing for something that is completely not under their control. That just it just happens to them and they need to just push through it. It'll be interesting when I work on the songs at those sales, how we're going to interpret that. But that's that's sort of what how I landed on it. And at first I actually really didn't like the title. I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, this is an okay title. But then it's, it's really grown on me the more I think about that image and how it really, really is the nature of the show. The majority of my songs are from elegies. I mean, one, because it's only piano and it's a completely blank slate for me. I mean, that's awesome. It's really hard for me to find an arrange, a new arrangement when it's already arranged, like a new, in a new brain or in Putnam. That's hard for me. I mean, I'm, that's probably why I'm putting them off like crazy. But uh, for Elegies, it's just piano. And, like, you can just hear a complete new arrangement so easily from it. But also just the music from Elegies is just freaking gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, it hits some really, hit some really um, core emotions in people. Elegies about, is about 9-11. And I'm trying not to keep it in that context because it's just not the context that I want. But, I mean, they're naturally very reflective and nostalgic and melancholy. The poster is lovely. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I just want to put this on the podcast because Lynn, Lynn Farley is amazing. I mean, she's my web designer. Um, and, like, I can't even ask for a better poster. Like, essentially, it went through two drafts. Like, the first draft, I was like, Meh! I want this and then the next draft is like yep perfect amazing so if any of you artists out there want a poster designer or a web designer Lynn is incredible so just just saying that (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not gonna comment (laughs) so uh the show is happening December 14th at the Transact Club if people want tickets they should go to um you can buy them online which is um set those sales dot brown paper tickets that's in plural dot com um, and they're only $16 online because brown paper tickets is amazing. And if not, they can buy at the door for $15. Yeah, and it's general seating. So first come, first serve. It's uh, at the Transact. 7.30 p.m. is when the doors open. 8 is when the show starts. And the Transact is like uh, south of 
futures and Brunswick and Bloor. I may go to futures afterwards. Um, uh, yeah, so December 14th. Yeah. And if people want to learn more about you as a musical director and stuff? Yeah, you can go to my website, um, which again, the lovely Lynn Farley designed my website for me and I love it so much, uh, Back, and that's with a C-K dot com. And uh, yeah, you can check check more about me and uh, what I've done and or book a coaching with me or... I mean, on my website, I have a section where it's called inspiration and it's just, it's music that I like or music that inspires me and not necessarily musical theater. Um, Like the last one I put up was Neil Young. So if you ever want to like check out some new good music, yeah. That's the place to go. Mm-hmm. Well, Tara, thank you so much for talking. Oh, me. thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.